Welcome to the Prodigal and the Priest podcast, a podcast about faith, sports, and two friends from different cultures. Here are your hosts, Joey Scansella and Father Paul Bechter. Father Paul, what's up? Joey. How's it going? Why don't we have like a like a clap track or some applause or something cheering us in? Like we've got that the guitar. Yeah, something like that. Like right at the end of the intro. Like film before a live studio audience or yeah, something exactly. like that. Yeah, during COVID. <laughs> in the reception studio. room at St. Hans. Getting shifted around every other week because we're <laughs> under heavy construction here. Are you cold? You're in like a <laughs> a pea coat and a, right? That's a pea coat? It's just a long one. Maybe. Yeah, it's a long coat. Yeah. I, th- I think actually it's a pea coat. A trench coat? No, a trench is a different type of material. Oh, it's a material thing. Yeah, I think it's a peacoat with a scarf on right now. Yeah, I like the scarf. <laughs> Sorry. It's a, I forgot to put on my hat. Realized my head was cold. Um, I like the scarf. I, I like this whole getup. No, I'm not particularly cold to answer your question. Um, just wearing, but wearing. I was just wearing it because it's cold okay. outside. Still rocking the... Never. Still... <laughs> yeah. And with this hat... Like, I really do feel, I feel more like Luigi wearing the hat, I have to say. So it's funny, when I had the mustache, which we didn't talk about for like, you know, a week, and then I couldn't take it the way that I just felt weird and awkward having one on my face. Yeah, how I feel all the time. Yeah. But you're kind of used to that wearing a cassock, already having a massive beard. Anyway, all that. Somebody's like, oh, now we got Luigi. So it's funny that you say you identified as Luigi. Wouldn't you say you identified as Mario? Well, I mean, I think I would prefer to be Mario. But if it's the two of us, like, I think I look more like Luigi with mm. the hat and everything. Don't they both have a hat? Yeah, they both have a hat. <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, I, uh, I just know I wouldn't played golf yesterday even though it was cold and rainy and stuff and um uh the guy at the counter when he checked me in was like man i i wish i were half the man you are wearing that mustache like that <laughs> i was like you could be you could <laughs> you could be did he it's have any facial late. hair nah so oh. maybe he couldn't be i don't know there you go um but it gets comments yeah yeah Keeps keeps it fun. So before we go into a a heavy topic today that I want as like mm. our topic, I just want to talk NFL football for one second here because we have both our teams won last week, right? The Cowboys beat the Bengals, yeah, and the Eagles beat the Saints. Yeah, they did. Like kind of, kind of amazing. Took it to them, and now there's this whole thing about Carson Wentz. Jalen Hurst, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, which it's really tough for me as an Eagles fan because Carson Carson Wentz is kind of an an authentic guy and a good guy. Sure, as much as we know about him, yeah. But like, no, he he seems like a really stand up guy, and like he's actually he, he had a couple into seasons his where Christian he's amazing, faith. and yeah. Yeah, like um, apparently he did a Bible study with different players like him and Ertz and some different people on the team do a weekly Bible study and different things like that. And so I'm very torn of I want 
somebody to win the NFC East with a winning record. <laughs> but if the Eagles win out, they don't have a winning record. <laughs> I don't know if the Cowboys do. Would no, they? we yeah. wouldn't. Yeah. Are they seven we... losses or eight? Oh, gosh, I don't know. I don't know. But it's just interesting as it as it draws to a close. Uh, I mean, do you see them going to... Do you see the NFL going to a bubble system for the playoffs? I've been wondering that. Like, I kind of thought they should have done a bubble for the, the whole season because mm. it works so well for the NBA. Right. Um, and I get that, I don't know, there's much larger team uh, rosters and personnel rosters and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I have done zero research on this, but I think more than an NBA bubble, I could see them doing like a an MLB type like bubble city thing for the playoffs yeah for the playoffs especially when certain cities are allowing fans and certain ones aren't dallas right dallas i saw last night the cleveland browns game there was fans fans there um houston texans but like imagine you're the top seed um imagine the rams are the top seed Mm mm-hmm they're not allowed fans. Heck, if the 49ers played the playoffs and had a home game, they're not even allowed right now to play in their home stadium because of yeah, restrictions. Right. So <laughs> I'm like, how does that all work? I don't know. It's just intriguing. Uh. So I could talk about sports a while, as you know. It's always. nice to talk about sports a little bit, though. Also exciting that basketball, almost back. Basketball, we're in the preseason. <laughs> Wait, which we're Luka not doing a right bubble now. for that, though. I don't think so. I think okay. they're done with it. The bubble was maybe a desperation play to get in like the rest, the rest of, of the season. season, but for the whole thing, yeah, I don't know. Classy move. My wife was telling me about the whole J.J. Barea thing. You know, that is like the Dallas Mavs signed him, but then released him so yeah, that like they guaranteed him, him yeah, yeah. like money and, and a chance. And so. Yeah, a chance to play somewhere else because there wasn't room for him anymore right. on the Mavs, but he made such a huge impact for the Mavs. Yeah. Uh, both as a player and as, like, leadership on the bench and mm-hmm. just... He, he he was, like, tiny Dirk. Like, <laughs> like just really part of the culture. Uh, 11 of 13 seasons he's played for the Mavs. Um, which, there is a question somebody is submitting, they told me they're going to, about kind of, like, loyalty in sports. So I look forward to talking about that later in our um, question um edition of our podcast mm. which if our listeners don't know about every friday comes out an episode with questions um you the listeners write in different questions from i know there's a question coming you know about the college football playoff somebody wrote in and then there's questions about you know deep stuff like you know what should we believe as Catholics on this topic? Or I'm really struggling yeah. with this. So whatever's on your mind, um, whatever affirmations you want to give us, please, especially me, most of you affirm Father Paul, which is fine. But <laughs> if you want to toss one my way, that would be great. So um, I wanted to talk today about something that we've gotten questions about and I think presents to be a big issue around the holidays, mm. which is loneliness. I know this is something prevalent right now um, with our teenagers. Obviously, my main role here at the parish is director of youth ministry. Um, I'm the interim director with children's ministry. 
And I know a lot of people blame technology for being one of the instruments of loneliness. And I definitely see that. But I also just think our society are very lonely people. (laughs) And we've had questions before on the podcast. I think I just saw another one recently pop up, like, what do I do with loneliness? And now we're in the season where I feel like it really rears its ugly head. You know, like you get, especially people that are struggling with loneliness, you add a holiday on top of it mm-hmm. combined with a pandemic where maybe they were already going to be lonely this holiday season and then the pandemic. And it's like, what do we do with loneliness? How do we unite ourselves to Christ during that time? You know, and the the thing about the topic is it's not just like a loneliness applies to all of us, whether it was like, vocationally we're lonely right somebody's like well i haven't met my spouse or i don't know mm-hmm. what i'm doing you know i i, I want to join a religious order or second is like oh they're just lonely because they have no friends you know maybe mm-hmm. they've they've had a huge conversion in life and lost all their friends or just moved to a new place or maybe they just are struggling with depression and loneliness you know um there are so many of us in different ways that struggle with this topic. And I would just love to give some practicals today. What does the church encourage? What do we encourage somebody who's struggling with loneliness to do? Mm-hmm. So initial thoughts? Yeah. Uh, very, very important and, uh, and timely topic. Um, but it's also kind of a timeless topic. Like it is particularly, you know, important right now, but it's also something that's just always kind of been with us. Yeah. And um my my first reaction to to this is like I don't know, the more I studied philosophy and I guess the longer I've been a seminarian and a, a priest and just kind of an observer of people and of human nature. Um, because that's that's part of what uh, being a priest like entails. I get to I get to meet a ton of people, and I can start to I don't know maybe see some patterns in there that I wouldn't if I wasn't in such a public position. Um, just but this is something that's been part of philosophy philosophy for a long time uh, since Aristotle at least like that we are made for society that we're social, we're political in the sense of being social, um, that we are social animals. We're rational social animals. Um, I remember, this is kind of a a weird story, but I remember when I was uh, much younger, we had two gerbils. (laughs) Um, Did you ever have like hamsters or gerbils or anything? Guinea pigs, okay. Gerbils are like small guinea pigs. I was going to say, what's the difference between a gerbil, gerbil and a hamster? And a guinea, uh, I don't know. Guinea pigs are big, um, or bigger. Hamsters don't have tails, but are kind of gerbil size. I don't size. think my guinea pig had a tail. Yeah, they don't have tails either. Okay, I was like, gerbils have tails. Oh, okay, gerbils um, have tails. They're, they like rat like, uh, like a mouse tail more. Okay. Like it's got hair on it and stuff, but they're, they're big? bigger. They're bigger than mice, but smaller than guinea pigs. They're nice little little hmm. pets. There you go. What were their names? Andy and something. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember the other one. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't remember. But nice. But so I mean, this isn't like the the happiest story, but you know, one of them died eventually, and we thought like, okay, we'll just keep one gerbil, and that one, like everything about it was was just messed up when the other one died because gerbils mm. are intensely social animals. They're the kind of animals that need community. Yeah. And that without that just cannot survive. So like that other gerbil didn't last too long. Right. Um, and, but you could tell it was so strikingly obvious, like what a difference community made. Mm. And I think because we're rational, <laughs> um, we can forget that we're also animals um, right. and have like instinctual reactions and sort of base level needs for certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, I don't know, uh, water for instance, right? Other animals know when they're thirsty and if there's water around, they drink. Um, I've heard that like low level dehydration is kind of a norm in, amongst uh, human beings. Yeah. In in America, anyway, I know it is in the circles I run, and people are just like always a little dehydrated. Oh, um, constantly. And it's like, why do we do that? Because we ignore this sort of base level instinct that I'm thirsty right now, and we're like, no, nah, no, nah, I'll deal with it later. I mean, side tangent: how many ounces of water do you try to drink a day? I am not good at <laughs> as counting. he reaches yeah, for as his Bucky's cup, thirty-two ounce cup. How many of those do you try to go through? I have no idea. Okay. I am lucky if I drink one glass of water a day. Is that enough? I hear that's not enough. I've heard that's not enough as well. I mean, six cups of coffee, but... There's water in coffee. Yeah, right? But that's also coffee saying. dehydrates you. So. Okay, well, Anyway, you so we digress. Um, but my point here is, like, it's the same kind of thing with community. Like, we need community. Um, human beings need community, and we can convince ourselves sometimes that we don't, and we've just got it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't notice the signs sometimes about how much we need community. And I know it's easier said than done just to like find community, but I don't think we take it seriously enough how much we need real community. Yep. Um, in person community, how much we need that. Yeah. And so we've, I think we've all experienced that during the, the pandemic, having to do things digitally and ex- and seeing like this isn't the same it doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't work quite as well just to be on zoom all the time yeah. e- even like instead of going into work people who have to work from home and yeah. stuff like that it, so that's my first first basic point like um when thinking about loneliness and uh specifically loneliness in this time and holiday loneliness like we have to keep in mind that we are made for community and that uh, there's not a whole lot that can really substitute for that. Um, yeah. So where am I going with that? Um, we are made in the image and likeness of God, who himself is community. Um, and we're also made for God. Like there's there's other things which go beyond us just being, you know, like the other animals. Right. Um, that we need. And... Because God is himself like perfect community and desires to be in relation with us, it means and is all-powerful and all-loving, which mm-hmm. is a re- relational term, right? Yeah. Um, it means that we can always turn to God 
uh, not as a, how to put it, not exactly as just a replacement for human community, but like when we're not able to experience human community, um, we can especially turn to God in those times. Right. And, and know that like his grace is sufficient for us, that he can sustain us um, even when there aren't uh, kind of normal conditions. Right. Like think of the saints, some of these stories about the saints like St. Catherine of Siena um, who survived only on the Eucharist for years, I years. think. Yeah. Um, and some of these like desert fathers who fasted in these incredible ways, that's not a normal way to live. Right. You're missing something that's vital. Um, but God through his grace can sustain us in those extraordinary times. Yeah. And so that's, that's kind of the conclusion to this first point is like, if you are able to have community, um, do not underestimate how much you need that community. If yeah. you are not able to have community because of the pandemic, um, then do not underestimate like the power of God's grace to sustain you yeah. in that. But that doesn't mean that we can uh, choose not to be in community. Yeah. Um, now, it's it's hard. Okay, so what kind of community? Like, um, Which we have an episode on community and joining groups and oh, different sure, things sure. like that. Yeah, we you do. Know, so, yeah. um, so take it back to, yeah. to loneliness specifically then. So one point I wanted to bring up, and I think it's good that's often brought up about this. I know I bring it up as a youth minister, like also your point on it. Um, I know we definitely, as clergy, ministers, different people, we encourage uniting the struggle of loneliness with that that Christ suffered loneliness himself. So uniting into Christ, I have this uh, quote from one of the Catholic News Agency articles that I remember long time ago reading about and just popped up, but it said, some theologians have said that Christ's loneliness upon the cross outweighed even his physical agonies. You know, uh, lessons derived from Christ's loneliness, both his loneliness in the Garden of Gethsemane, um, which uh, St. Thomas More wrote about, and upon the cross, mm-hmm. um, in the tradition of Jesus's last seven words on the cross drawn from all four Gospels, can help us unite our sufferings from loneliness to his. So, I wanted, I wanted to deal with that point because I think it's huge and I think it's important, but so often a cop-out in the mm. sense that we'll hear, well, kind of like the offer it up, mm. you know, um, mm. unite yourself to Christ with this. You know, Christ went through this. You, you can, what does that mean, you know, to the average person? If you were to say that to them, like, you know, Christ suffered in this way, so are you. You can unite this and know that you have, you know, commonality with Christ in this suffering, what are you really encouraging somebody to do that you're telling them? We're telling them to actually make a priestly act, um, which is to offer a sacrifice. Um, now, so that's what priests do. And by our baptism, we are all priests. Um, priest, prophet, and king. At our priest, baptism. prophet, and king, right? Um, and the sacrifice that we offer is the sacrifice of ourself. Um, it's our own will and intellect and emotions and everything that makes ourself. That's what we can offer in our baptismal priesthood. Mm. Um, 
And so when we say offer it up, uh, we are using like intentionally a kind of like some priestly imagery there. Offer it up, bring the offering to the altar of yourself mm-hmm. and offer yourself to God. Um, that's that's the first part. Um, but then, you know, we don't just say offer it up. We'll say take it to the cross or something. Yeah. Um, and then it's like, okay, I'm not just doing this on my own strength. I'm doing this in imitation and also in participation uh, with the self-offering of Christ the high priest um, on the cross. Right. And now suffering is meaningless in and of itself, right? It's actually, an, you know, evil is an absence of meaning that should be there. Um, you can see this with like physical evil. I think Augustine gave the, the example of a horse that was missing a leg. Like that's an, that's an evil thing in the sense that it's a deprivation of some good that should be there. Right. Um, well, suffering is an evil and it's a deprivation of some meaning or some good that should be there. Right. Uh, suffering is meaningless in and of itself, but Christ through his sacrifice makes suffering have meaning and not just meaning, but salvific meaning. Yeah. Redeemed it. He redeems it. And so he gives us the ability when we offer ourselves, our will in union with his, um, thy will be done like the, our father, or like the agony in the garden, the words that Christ himself said, um, when we, when we make that offering of our will to God, um, like our suffering does take on salvific significance yeah, and actual meaning. Um, it becomes something meritorious to go back to our discussion from last week. Right. Uh, not of our own strength, but because now it's joined to Christ's infinitely meritorious sacrifice. Yeah. Um, there and are it's some, not easy. It's not no, easy to do. No, it's not like, easy. <laughs> yeah, but I do feel... Um, a lot of people will toss it out to just be like, well, just do that. Like, yeah. you know, like offer it up, you know, unite yourself to Christ. Like, yeah, it yeah. goes back to that episode of people, uh, struggling to deal with, with suffering or with pain or, or how to like console somebody. Console, who's, yeah. Who's doing Cause that. this is a type and, of grieving. Yeah. Um, so Christ's loneliness, uh, you mentioned St. Thomas More. Uh, who wrote a a really incredible book mm-hmm. um, called what well, it's just called like the agony right the agony in the garden or something I thought it was, or, yeah uh, I'm not uh, sure on the exact title but yeah, I remember I'll, I'll we had to read second. it in one of our classes and I remembered specifically reading about the agony in the garden and yeah. pretty powerful he, he wrote it while he was himself in the Tower of London mm. I know that um, and I remember I I read it in seminary. Uh, during Lent one year, and just a really beautiful, powerful book. Um, There's also one of the places that comes to mind when we think about the loneliness of Christ. Um, Like, yes, on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right. Right, his words. Um, And the mystery of Christ being able to say those words, who is himself God. Um, But... 
another place that I think of is uh, St. Peter and Gallicantu in Jerusalem. Uh, Gallicantu is like the Italian kind of Latinish word for uh, the cock crow. Um, and this is the place traditionally held where uh, Peter denied Christ three times. And it's also the house of uh, Caiaphas, where Christ was held um, from Holy Thursday evening after uh, after his betrayal in the garden until the crucifixion, or until he was taken to Pilate the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's where Christ spent the night, and they have this, this pit there. And uh, as with a lot of archaeological things, like the... The actual historical significance can sometimes be hard to tease out, but um, they, they use this term "shelters the memory." Uh, when I was doing a lot of archaeology there, like, like this place really shelters the memory of Christ spending that night alone in prison, uh, waiting to be condemned the next morning, mm. um, and something when you go down into sort of that pit under the church um they have a book there with psalm 88 in a ton of different languages that's a that's a psalm that priests will pray or people who pray the lord to the hours will pray friday night for night prayer right um psalm 88 is is one of those sort of psalms of lament but when you read it through the lens of christ's loneliness uh that night after being betrayed by one of his closest friends and disciples, uh, it really takes on some powerful meaning. And and I bring that up, not just so that we can be like impressed or moved to awe, but like doing those kind of things can help us unite our own loneliness and suffering to that of Christ. Like reading this Psalm and praying with that Psalm or with, uh, was it Psalm 22 uh, that, has my God, my God, why my God. have you forsaken yeah, me? There's another one to like 40 something um, that has those words, I think. But, um, but like by praying those Psalms, it can really help us make that act of the will, which is difficult to make of uh, sort of offering this sacrifice in surrender to God. Um, not my will, but yours be done. Right. So, so far we've, we've talked about, you know, desiring that community, um, looking into that, uniting ourselves to Christ and his suffering. Um, I, I want to toss out one other practical too, and you may have already done this if you're suffering with loneliness. I think about it sometimes often with um, my daughter, Francesca. She is kind of entering a shy phase where I'll say, why don't you, you know, why don't you go ask this person or why don't you introduce yourself, right? And she'll um, be really shy, not want to talk, not want to say anything and it takes some time of warming up. Um, and I share that story in the sense that this, somebody who's struggling with loneliness may have already done this, but it also, it does cost a little bit of yourself of putting yourself out on a limb to like, say, I need this. I want to, I want to kind of invite myself into this community or to hang out with this people or to reach out. And they may say no, and we have to be okay with that answer, mm-hmm. but to also just be like, well, you don't know if you don't ask, right? You know, because right. um, we're saying unite yourself to Christ, seek out community if you can. It's so important. It's needed. We desire it. Um, you know, like, but you also 
got to give it a shot. You got to give it, you know, try to. And if one group doesn't work, that's okay. Go to a different group. Go to another group, you know, ask somebody else. Um, so I wanted to toss out that and the power of prayer. I mean, we always talk about it, but I, I would invite you to ask people that you trust. I don't know, ask your church, ask us to pray for you. Mm-hmm. You know, like if that is something that you're really struggling with, like that is the role. Um, we're called to pray for one another. And, you know, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I just wanted to, I just wanted to toss out that before. Um, yeah. Th- there is a book called the sadness of Christ. Was that that's it? it. Yeah, yeah. That's what I, yeah. Yeah. It's got a subtitle about the agony yeah. or something. Yeah. The sadness um, of Christ. That's the St. Thomas More book. Yeah. Um, which I just, I found that book really powerful. Um, yeah. yeah, I remember it being pretty profound. I, I can't remember if it was in my Theology of Christ class or another one, but I remember we had to read some excerpts from it, and it was good. Theology of Christ, huh? Yeah. It's not just called Christology? No. <laughs> no. All right. Well, I mean, you could call it Christology, <laughs> but n- literally the course descriptive is Theology of Christ. So yeah, I'm sure you could tease those into actually being distinct things um yeah well because it was paired with you have to take your sophomore year theology of christ one semester and theology of church another semester ecclesiology i guess some people (laughs) call it that too but potato potato tomato tomato those are actually the same word (laughs) orange orange right you know things like that so anyway um hey we haven't done it in a while Reading, watching, thinking. Nice. We haven't yes, done that. We in a haven't. While. We haven't done this in a while. Um, okay. I'll start to give you a chance to think. Oh, all right. Because I know, I know you like to think it over, be a little pensive. Yeah. So, um, I am watching um, <laughs> the the West Wing. <laughs> I started. Okay. Oh, really? So. It's a little, this is going to be a tough endeavor because I just found out, I just started it and found out it's going off Netflix on January 1st. So I did some quick calculations. Aren't there like 80 seasons of it? Not 80. That would be a lot. Um, But there are 154 episodes. So I did some quick math, (laughs) about 42 minutes each episode, 154 how many days I have left. So I would just need to average about four and a half hours a day of watching the West wing before January 1st. Don't think I'm going to get there because of that whole, in case you don't know, NBC is starting their own streaming service called the Peacock. Okay. Um, and so they're removing shows like the office West NBC wing. Shows. Yeah. NBC shows onto the Peacock so that you have to pay another subscription service and all that. We can talk about, you know, the scam of subscription services another time. But anyway, um, so I started that. Um, I'm intrigued. I always have been intrigued by politics. And so, you know, I like watching those shows and just seeing, you know, how things, how things worked and whatnot. Behind the scenes. Behind the scenes, behind the, the intrigue, scenes. political intrigue. Yeah, so machinations. Um, reading. I ju- I just started um, the Pope's new encyclical, Fratelli Tutti. Yep, the Tutti, ah. yeah. as I like to call it. It's a long and the big toot. <laughs> okay. uh, I don't I don't call it the big toot, but that would be that would be cool. And uh, 
And then I'm going to watch Notre Dame play Clemson for the ACC championship this Saturday. That's going to be big. Wow. Okay. That's huge. That is huge. Come on, go Irish. Man, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Obviously. And so um, watching thinking. Oh. oh, and thinking is, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm thinking thinking about a lot of things these days. You know, when the when the days are shorter and the nights are longer, it, get, it gets me pretty pensive, pretty thinking, you know? Yeah. So go ahead. You're up. All right. Um, watching, watch some golf this weekend, just a little bit. Watched actually the, the LPGA, uh, US Open was in okay. Houston. All right. And they had basically the same weather we had here yesterday, which was like Ugh. rainy and cold. Um, so that was kind of cool. They actually got, got moved to Monday to finish. Um, like I haven't watched LPGA golf since I was in high school. And just like watching the golf channel, just obsessively anything golf, anything golf was right was enough. And uh, I know this sounds sexist, but would you say most people on the L- LPGA tour would be able to beat you? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, right. I can outdrive them, but but they, the they finesse would game me. and all oh, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what yeah. I figured. I just. Thought I'd ask. Well, no, it is different than like basketball in that sense, right? Or like some more physical sport, um, mm-hmm. football, right? Um, yeah, no, I, I was watching them and, and thinking like, oh man, you just hit it two fifteen off the tee. Like I can do that with my driving iron, um, and then being like, yep, but I can't hit any of those other shots that you did. Yeah, or like put a twenty five footer in and just you know, <laughs> or, and like. Hey, look at me. I just made triple. When's the last time you've made a triple on a hole? Like, right. Um, so anyway, watching some of that, not a whole lot, but it was, it was enough to, to just be golf. Right. Um, reading. This is a book that I thought about bringing up just now in this discussion. Um, but it wasn't specifically on loneliness, so I, I didn't, but it's been a while since I read it, but it's called the Catholic guide to depression. And oh, I think I did see that in one of the articles when I was preparing for really? it. Really? Yeah. Okay. I, I didn't yeah. know if it's, it was good or not, though. It's, it's I didn't, great. Okay. It's co-authored. I forget who the psychologist. There's a there's a priest uh, who was one of my teachers, Monsignor John Syak. Um, he's, he co-authored it from the perspective of like theology and priestly experience. And then there's a psychologist uh, who co-authored it from that perspective. And... Um, is this Arm- Kevin Vost? No, no, I don't think so. Catholic Guide to Loneliness, did you say? No, Catholic Sorry. Catholic uh, Guide to Depression. To Depression, okay. I didn't know there going. was one to loneliness, and I have read things by Kevin Vost. He wrote a, a nice little book on memory. Um, okay. He, he's actually, he's quite good, too. He's very accessible. Um, yeah, he has one you can buy from Target. Oh, Target. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, Kevin Vost, I've read stuff before about him so catholic guide to loneliness is something that i could recommend without having seen it uh Mm -hmm. i i know it's going to be good because the things i've read by him were good and they were very they were very easy to read and accessible but also had depth uh catholic guide to depression yeah with father john yeah john syak and then aaron kahirati yeah md yeah i don't know i don't know that guy but i was yeah uh Father or Monsignor John Syak was one of my teachers. Um, awesome. 
And uh, I remember reading that book and thinking like, I wish this were a resource because depression on many different levels, like full clinical and then like different gradations of depression are so prevalent in our society mm. in large part, mm. in some part, because of the isolating effect of technology and just the, uh, the isolating nature of Western society, right? There's few intergenerational households. People yeah. move around. They're transient. Yeah. Uh, values are uh, not particularly family-oriented. All these things. So anyway. Yeah. Um, so depression is, is prevalent. It's something a lot of people struggle with. And I, I just remember reading this and thinking, like, I wish people had knew about this and I could promo it at some point. So that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. Promo. Um, boom. And then what am I thinking? I have to uh, lead a retreat early in the next year mm. uh, for some people. And I'm tr- thinking. <laughs> that was very, yeah. I have to lead a generic. retreat for some people. Generic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just uh, thinking about some topics. I really think like. You should do loneliness. Um, <laughs> How I about mean, I just toss out some random topics? Yeah, thanks, like man. Natural family planning. So list, <laughs> just list them off. Um, um, no, I've 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 got a topic, and I'm trying to tease it out to see like which direction to take it. But nice, yeah. Thinking about just retreats in general. Um, to draw back, to retreat. Yeah, or to give yourself another treat. It like, <laughs> that's like not the Christmas. That's not what it like means. the Christmas season, right? <laughs> well. That was fun. Um, Hey, seriously, anybody struggling with loneliness, we'd love to pray for you. On behalf of uh, Joey Scantella, Father Paul Becker, take care. God bless.